0: So, we are going to be in Mark chapter 11. Matthew uh, just read um, another, um, where did you read from? (laughs) John, okay. (laughs) He read from John what I'm going to read to you from Mark. Mark's a little bit longer and there's a couple things here I want to kind of highlight. So, we're going to look at Mark chapter 11 and I'm going to start in verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, We are, we are doing this, say, Why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found the colt tied to the door outside of, in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them what Jesus, told, Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leaves, leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Let me say this. So, you know how it is like when you buy a new vehicle and maybe it's a vehicle you've never really even paid attention to, didn't really even know much about them. Now you have this vehicle and you see them everywhere and it just seems like, I didn't know there was this many of these vehicles out there on the road. That's kind of the way I feel like we started this, this uh, year, you know, just with the theme Discover and for a while I've been wanting to talk about just this path that has kind of been painted back here and just the path that we are on in life. And all of a sudden, every time I open the Word of God, I'm just seeing this vision of this path uh, being played out. And, and even today, as we come into Palm Sunday, it's just, that's what I see when I open up this passage of Scripture. I just see this, this path that Jesus is on. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment two mountains with a valley in between them. And that'll be pretty easy to imagine since we have this right here, right? But if you can imagine just two of them side by side, and then there's just a valley and you kind of make your way up through that. That's kind of what is being painted here in our scripture today because they are nearing Jerusalem. Jerusalem was actually up on kind of a really large hill. I mean, we call it a hill. They call it a mountain. Um, It would have been about... 2,200 feet, I think, is somewhere around the elevation of Jerusalem. Now, the Mount of Olives, which is where Jesus is, and the scripture says it's 2,710 feet, because I looked that one up. And uh, so it's a little higher than Jerusalem, and they would call it a mountain. But, you know, it's not like the Rocky Mountains by any means, but it still would have been a very high elevation. And then there's this valley, uh, the Kidron Valley. It used to be the, the uh, uh, um, Jehoshaphat Valley, I think, uh, before that. And so that's where Jesus would have been. He would have been looking down upon this valley. When we go camping, we always like going to the high parts, you know, because it's just, not only is it beautiful, but if you can get above tree line and stuff, it's just amazing in how far and what you can see. Um, even in Coffeeville, you know, you go up from one of these hills up by the golf course or something, and it's just like, wow, I can see so far, um, and just pick out things and, and things you recognize and such. But we do that when, back in the day, cause we've been going to Colorado for 30 years, we'd have to hike up to these things and it would just be like an all day deal, right? But now we just Jeep up and it doesn't take long, <laughs> Um, but it still is kind of a neat thing. So I just want you to picture that for a second because the Mount of Olives is where Jesus is. And Bethpage and Bethany, you know, set kind of to the, the east of Jerusalem. So as he's looking to the west and looking out past this valley into this hill, this is kind of what he sees. I want to I bring this up to you uh, if we can. Now, I know you're not going to be able to see that unless you have, like, amazing eyes. But but I still wanted to kind of just give you an idea, and I'll try to walk through this a little bit. Because here Jesus, you, you can see the Mount of Olives on the far right there, you know, about midway. Um, and that's where he would have been on that big old hill, uh, big mountain there. And he would have been looking down. And what would he have been seeing as he sends his disciples into town to secure this cult to get ready for his entry into uh, this area, uh, what is it that he's seeing? And with what knowledge is he seeing it with? You see, Jesus is not just a man. He is fully man, but he is not just man. He is God in the flesh. That's what we, you know, the incarnation, that's what we know is to be. And and he already knows what is coming. He knows why he was sent to this earth. He knows what his objective is, what God has asked him to do, His father, God has asked him to do what he's, he's you know uh, his mission is, but he also knows what is coming, and why he's you know fixing to do what he's doing, get this cult and what it all represents, and everything about it. So he is looking out, and he already is seeing these things. What is he seeing? Well? Just to the right of, you know, north, uh, sort of, to the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane. It is, like, right there, yeah. And he would have he saw that, and he would have known exactly what is going to be taking place there before long. Just on the other side, where it says crucified and crucifixion burial, he would have saw, you know, uh, the Calvary up in the top. Um, just under the, in the, in you know, where it says Jerusalem in the time of Jesus, right in that area. He would have saw that. He would have saw just where the, all this would trial and everything would have taken place, you know, on the middle part on the other side. He would have saw that. And he, the, the point is, is that he would have saw all of these things. And what would have been like his thoughts in the midst of this? He knew that this was where his path had led him to this time. And he would have had to have made another decision before he came off that Mount of Olives. And, and that would have been what? What would it have been? It would have been like uh, do I want to go on the down the back side of this thing, or do I want to keep moving forward? You know, what does what does Jesus do? Well, he doesn't run away he continues on the path. And I don't don't think we think about this very often, but I think it's probably something we ought to think about. Because not only was Jesus fully God, just like what we say, but he was also fully man. He had temptations. The Bible says he has temptations just like we do, yet without sin. That's what it tells us in Hebrews, right? But he was tempted in every way. He, He was he was uh, uh, underwent the same thoughts that we had, and, and I just wanted to, to uh, think about that for a minute because what does Jesus do? Well, he could have he could have chosen an easier path if he wanted to. He could have chosen, just like many of us do, one of comfort. You know, we were going through. Uh, The Chosen, this new season the very first episode there was a little clip that got me thinking about this and I just found it very fascinating uh, and kind of humorous too but I want to show it to you it's just a minute long but this is it that's Jesus by the way if you haven't seen The Chosen just helping a guy out all tightened up So it was the axle. I told my brother it was the axle. Sometimes all you need is a fresh set of eyes. Now hand me some pitch and it'll be as good as new. Mm. You're good at this. You should stay in town and open up a shop. Should I? Mm -hmm. A shop. That woman is going to introduce you to every Samaritan in the country. I hope so. It's hot. (laughs) So I just love that because, and the reason I did is just because the thought went into his head, right? I mean, and you just know that in real life, the thoughts would have went into his head, and so he's just helping this guy fix his wagon, and he would have been pretty handy with tools, we know, because he was a carpenter's son, and he would have done that for a couple decades. And so he's helping this guy out, and this guy's like, man, you're really good at this. You ought to open a shop. He's like, hmm, a shop. <laughs> like like maybe that's a, that sounds really good. But he knows that that is not what he came here to do, and that's not what he did, but he could have chosen a life of comfort, right? He could have just, you know, found a little... A quiet place, a little place of simplicity, privacy. Just followed God with His life, and just kind of, you know, just chose a, a, a way, a path of comfort. But Jesus didn't. He could have chosen, you know, just a different path. You know, a path of control. He could have just, you know, took complete control of the situation. In fact, one of the things when he's on the cross that they said to him, right, is they said, you know, if you are the Son of Man, come down from that thing, right? Uh, because he was the Son of Man, he was choosing not to come down. But could he have come down? He could have come down. He could have stopped anything that he wanted to stop. When, when Satan, and Satan knows this because in Matthew chapter 4, when it tells us that section of Scripture when Jesus was tempted, He was led out into the desert tempted. He was tempted several different ways, but all of them had to do with control. Hey, there's some bread you're hungry, you haven't eaten for 40 days. Just turn it into, I mean, there's a rock, turn it into bread. He could have done that. He tempted him, you know, by, you know, uh, testing God. And the last thing he tempted him with is, uh, all of this I can give you. And did Satan have the right to do that? I suppose he kind of did because he's known as the prince of this world, you know, like this is kind of his kingdom, I suppose. But, uh, But Jesus would have been trading something that would have been just, he knows, something temporary for something, you know, something less than for something better than. But either way, he could have chosen a different path. He could have chosen one of control. And that's what the whole, really, the whole section there in Matthew 4 about the temptation is all about control. Satan is trying to tempt him to take control. You can take control of this, Jesus. You can do that. But Jesus doesn't. He leaves control into his Father's hand. He, he didn't choose comfort. He didn't choose control. What he chose is to continue down the path. What he chose is a, the path of courage. You know, he when Jesus calls people to follow him, I want you to think about this for a second. Follow him where? Down the same path that he is on. See, he he chose this path, and he chose right here when he's at the Mount of Olives, he's making a very important decision to come up off that mountain and go on down in that valley and back up to Jerusalem. And he chose to stay the path. And when he is calling people to follow him, he's asking them to follow me down this path. It isn't an easy path. You know, Jesus doesn't ask much of people that don't follow him, but he asks a lot of people that do. You know, that thought was in that that, uh, uh, series as well. And I think it's just a great thought because it is so true. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it tells us this. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now where is Jesus come? He's coming off of that Mount of Olives. Where is he heading? He knows where he's heading. He is heading on the other side of Jerusalem, right to that trial that's going to take him up north, right to that uh, place of the skull or Calvary or that place of crucifixion. He knows where it's taking him, and he's calling everybody to follow him right in line with those places. That's why he says, if anyone's going to come after me, he's got to follow me. He's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up his cross. Take up our cross. What does that mean? Well, he's expecting sacrifice just the same that he is willing to sacrifice. For whoever would save his life will lose it. So whoever bails the backside of, of you know, Mount of Olives or whoever chooses a different path, a path of leisure or a path of you know, control or wandering. Anyway, a path that has to do with just settling in and making this our home is somebody that has chosen not to follow me because this is not our home and we're just passing through so that's why he says so whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So, a couple things there is just that, you know, Jesus could have chose comfort. He could have chose a path of control, but he didn't. Here's the third thing I want to say about that, and that is it is easy to misunderstand the path that Jesus has chosen. And I think that that's what this passage of Scripture is trying to help us understand. It's really easy to misunderstand what the palm branches were about, what they were hollering, Hosea, you know, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of of David, uh, these kinds of things. It's it's easy to misunderstand Jesus' path. And therefore, it, it would be easy for us to misunderstand the path that he has led us to. And let us down. Jesus hears the people around him as they were making their way to the path. So he's coming down off of the Mount of Olives. He's coming through the valley. He's, he's seeing just people, you know, just meandering. And, 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 but when they see Jesus come, all of a sudden they drop what they are doing and they come flooding to this path that Jesus is, is heading down while he's riding his donkey. And they're super excited, it appears. They're hollering, Hosea, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. B- blessed is the coming king of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heavens. It almost appears like Hosanna is like, Hooray! woohoo!" Right? But you know, if you go and find out what that word actually means... It literally means help. It literally means save us like now kind of thing. It's not really a hoo. It's more of like somebody that would say something as they're running out of their house, as their house is burning, and what would they say? They'd be like, save us, or save them, or... I mean, there would just be this panic kind of thing. It's funny how words change over time, though, isn't it? I kind of think maybe this was a hoo But that's not what Hosanna originally was meant. It was meant, when it was originally, you know, came up with, the word appeared, is to save us now, help us now. What was it that the people were actually wanting saved from? What is it that they were going on here? How is it that they misunderstood the path that Jesus was on? Jesus knew the path that he was on. And he knew what he was calling people to follow. And that's why he said these things like deny yourself if you're going to follow me. Take up your cross because we're fixing to go up on that hill. But they didn't see it that way. They completely misunderstood the path. They were wanting to follow him, but they thought that he was leading it down down a different path. They, I think they were looking for, like, a Donald Trump. I think this might have been, like, the first Republican, you know, uh, convention, right? I mean, seriously, I think that maybe that they thought, here he comes. He's going to make a better tomorrow, and this is just going to work out. Or maybe they thought it was going to be a Zalinski type of thing. Like, he is going to be the one who helps us stand our ground and fight for our freedom and figure out how to, you know, fight off these enemies, I mean, they were looking for someone to lead them to a to better tomorrow, an easier tomorrow. That's what we want, isn't it? Usually when we're trying to figure out who we're going to elect or who we're going to follow, like a Zawinski or something, is we're looking for somebody to, it's going to be tough now, but they're going to lead us to something better, something better but closer to home, obviously. What Jesus has got in mind is something not even close to here. Jesus didn't come to offer an easier path. I think that that's kind of hard to to really register. And that's why it's really hard. It's easy to misunderstand what Jesus was after. He he wasn't going down a path and offering a, a, a he wasn't really even offering a path of ease at all. He, It wasn't even really about the path. It was about where the path led, like the destination is what it was really about. So he wasn't offering an easier path. Actually, if he was offering a path, it would be, I can give you a harder path than what path you're on right now. You think it's hard right now? Just follow me. I'll show you a harder one to climb to do. John chapter 16, verse Thirty-three has always been a little bit disturbing to most of us. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the path, he knows that as long as we're in the world, the path that he is on and the path that we follow him down... Is not going to be an easier path while we're in the world. It's going to be a harder path. You know, sometimes I think the church can misunderstand this because I hear it all the time, like, you know, this, 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 I don't know how they say it or exactly what they say, but follow Jesus and he will make your life, you know, like just, I mean, we just kind of come out of this like an abundance, right, uh, conversation. But, but we're not talking about like abundance, like, um, He's going to make the path easy or anything like that. He doesn't promise that kind of thing. In fact, what he does say, in fact, that was in John chapter 16 and and John 15, just the, the chapter ahead, is where he starts saying, you know, the world hates me. And because you are following me and you're on the same path as me, guess what's going to happen to you? That old world's going to hate you back, and it's going to hate you just like it hated me. When he did promise is not an easy path, but the right path. There's just a lot of choices in life, right? A lot of different paths that we can go down. And he just knew that this path wasn't going to be easy, but it will, it will land you where you are wanting to go. It will land you, in a de- your destination will be that of peace. Your destination will be that of salvation. Your destination, as he says, will be that of paradise. He tells the, the guy on the, the cross, right, you'll be with me today in paradise, because that's where this path leads. The men, the women, the children walking with Jesus, waving their branches. They were all thinking about this path, but I don't think that they understood exactly the path that, they, that Jesus was offering. And they weren't thinking that, about this path as, though, oh, this path will rescue us from sin and, you know, our death and shame. No, they were thinking more closer to home, you know, And because of that, they weren't really on the same path as Jesus. Their paths were just kind of crossing. And this is like the intersection here. And so they're waving their branches, thinking that Jesus is going to make a turn and head their path. And Jesus doesn't. He just keeps going, and now they're left confused. Like, whoa, I thought we were going to go take over. I thought we were going to set up something here that's going to be valuable for us. And it left a lot of people confused, didn't it, after they crucified him and put him in that tomb. And they just thought, man, there is no way I'm going down that path. In fact, the disciples for a long time hid out because they just thought, man, are we on the right path? And it wasn't until the resurrection that they realized, yes, we are on the right path. And it was at that time that they were willing to do exactly what he has taught them. Yes, I will take up my cross and I will follow you daily. And their path wasn't easy. Most of them died really difficult deaths. And they were, you know, mistreated and ridiculed. Jesus was looking as he was looking from the Mount of Olives down across that valley and to Jerusalem and saw all of those places and all of those things that he was going to have to encounter as he was going down there. He was looking at the great need. And therefore he was going to go ahead and continue it. And he could see something, just like we were saying earlier. He could see something, because not only is he man, but he is God, and he knew what was coming. And he could see something that the disciples couldn't see. And it's still true today, really. You see, when we go down this path with Jesus, we're not going to really be able to see around the bins, around the corners, on the other side. We can't see in the future. We can't see what's coming. And that's why we have verses like Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. It says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but the, convic- the conviction of things not seen." Second Corinthians 4:18 it says, "As we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transcendent, but the things that are unseen are eternal." And just like Jesus had to decide to continue down the path, we have to decide if we're going to continue down the path. Or maybe for some of us, we just have to decide if we want to get on the path. You see, what we have to decide is, do we hope for the transcendent? Isn't that what that scripture just says? Don't look at the, thing, the things that are seen are transcendent. There are things that are here now. But what we know about that word transcendent is that it means temporary. It's short. It's a transcendent thing. It's just a short little thing. We know that the Bible tells us that this life, and James tells us, that this life is like a vapor. It's here, now, and gone tomorrow. I did two funerals this week. I was reminded of that almost every day this week, of how transcendent life is. I'm reminded every time I look at my daughter and granddaughter and my daughter keeps saying, time has gone by so fast. It's like, you don't know. You do not know how fast time goes yet. But I know that I don't know. But it does. And when you are sitting there at the end, you know how fast this transcendent life is. But no matter how old you are, whether you are young as... These young boys over here are our age, we have a decision. Are we going to go down this path that is so much harder? Or are we going to try to find a path that is of comfort and of control? The path of comfort and control, it does look so much more inviting, and it looks so much easier, but it's transcendent. It's temporary. And just like Satan come along and try to tempt Jesus, he does the same thing with us, and he tries to help. I, this all belongs to me, and I will give it to you. And it is so appealing to us, isn't it? I mean, just, oh, that would be so much better, just to pursue the things that I can see, the things that I can enjoy now, you know, the things that bring me comfort now, the things that, that make me feel important now. that satisfy now because for a while we, this this transcendent road that Jesus is on is, is not really that way it's, there's, it's, it's not the same thing it's not as comfortable maybe it's not as I don't know short term promising and it, it, you know we have grown up into the now right I mean, we are microwave, fast food junkies. I mean, it is, it is like anything and everything. We just need it now. We can't even hardly stomach a 20-hour drive. I hate those things. You know? Give me a plane. Jesus chose the hard, the courageous path for a greater need, for the greatest need, the greatest outcome. Jesus told the path of injustice, betrayal, denial, abandonment. Jesus chose the path of mockery and whips and thorns and nails. Jesus chose the courageous path of crucifixion and death so that he could offer a path of victory to any and everybody that wants to follow him but he didn't clear the path he secured the destination and he secured what is coming but he didn't like to put all the boulders out of the way so that when we come down the path it's all nice and tidy and neat he just didn't do that and he just says hey this is a tough hoe I mean road to hoe but you can do it i did it you'll have the same victory that i have and you can hang in there but the path isn't easy in luke chapter 14 verse 33 it says so therefore any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple and so jesus was constantly having to say this because he knew that the path would scare people away right and so he was just like, you're not going to make it if you don't count the cost. You're not going to make it. You're going you're to take a shortcut, try to find a shortcut. You're going to try to find a different way, a way that you think you can come up with, you can dream. And it's not going to get you there. I am the only way. I'm the only path. So, we have to renounce all? Seriously? I mean, like, surely he was exaggerating, Mike. No, I, think, I don't think he's exaggerating. You know, Luke chapter 14, verse 14, so that was 33. Go up to 14, and it says, And you will be blessed because, you can, be, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And he was just trying to help understand that look, this is all going to pay off. Just stay on the path. Stay following me. And it won't make sense for a whole long time. But just remember, it's transcendent. It's just for a time. And then it will all make sense. And you will be repaid. And Jesus said these kinds of things all the time. In fact, he would say things that are just kind of really crazy. If you've You have to hate your father and mother and your brothers and your children if you're going to follow me down this path. But you will receive a great reward if you do. And he's just trying to help understand that this path is, this is not an easy path. This is going to take some really, like, desire to stay on the path. So you can't focus on the path. That's what I'm trying to get at, right? If you focus too much on the path, the path becomes too overwhelming and you just want to bail. What you got to focus on is where it ends. And I think that that's what Jesus did. Don't you think that that's how he got down the path and why he didn't choose something different? It's because he wasn't so focused on like where Gethsemane was. And he knew that's where those are. Or where they were going to try him, where they were going to mock him and beat him, where they were going to, you know, take him eventually. Rather, I think he focused on where that was leading him, the destination for where it was taking him and what it was going to accomplish. He does the same thing for us as well in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like... A treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. There was short-term sacrifice in that he had to go sell everything. But the reason it wasn't too much of a sacrifice is because he knew what he was going to have at the end. And I think that the same thing is true to us too. If we would just focus on heaven... And focus on the destination and focus on this reunion and focus on what is at the end of this path. It won't make the path so unbearable. And it will make us stay to it. I I want you to think as we uh, finish up here. Just think of your life as a house for a second. This is what I heard one time uh, Billy Graham do. But he, he was just explaining to his hearers, he says, think of your, house, think of your life as a house. And then just think of the, the key ring with all of those keys, that those keys belong to you, and they, they open and close certain things that are dear to you. Now, your life is like your house, and when you give your life to God, it's like taking off the the key to your house, and you handing it to God, and you don't have a duplicate. And you're giving him control of that front door and what goes in and out and things of that sort. That would be a big deal. And then he just starts walking through all of these things. So he he just kind of says, if you are going to follow him, then just take that, those keys and just go ahead and take them off of that ring and just start handing them to Jesus. If you are a mother or a father, it means that you you go to the nursery and you give that little baby up to Jesus. And you realize that you don't have control of that child anymore. It's not yours. Now you're going to have a period of time that you're going to You're going to be a steward of that child or a nanny of that child, however you want to see it, but it's not actually yours. We take so much ownership of these things, don't we? This is mine. We protect it not to protect it because it's mine. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you now protect it because it belongs to God. And now not only are you protecting this child from the outside, But you're also protecting this child from what goes on in the inside of you. Because you're trying to protect this child of God's. But he goes on just talking about if you you are a teenager, then that means that you give God the key of your future. And I know that young people don't like to hear these kinds of things, but the Bible tells us that he chooses our spouse. And that that spouse, I mean, he might give us like, here's, here's 10 you can choose from. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, to be honest with you. But, but, uh, but I do know this, that he would not, if he had the key of this, if he was in control of this in your life, he would not choose somebody that is an unbeliever. Or he wouldn't have put it in his word in the first place. To not be unequally yoked. See, if you're a businessman, that means that you give God the key to your business. You give God the key to your future marriage. That you give God to the key of your present marriage. Because he becomes Lord. And if you're going to be on the path that he is on, then he is the one that is in control of you. And so just as Jesus had to make a decision not to choose a path of comfort or a path of control, his destination, we too have to make these same kind of decisions if we're going to choose the same path that he is on. We have to just be okay with this path, this rocky path, this path that that has a lot of, you know, just dangers involved. But also we have to choose to not take control. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says there, it says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. So how do you receive Christ? You receive him by faith. How do you walk? You walk by faith. So we're on this path and we don't see everything. We can't perceive everything. When bad things happen, we don't know the outcome. And we just have to trust that it's still going to get us where we want to go. And that he's going to lead us that all the way. You choose his path and not expect him to choose yours. And I think that's a big takeaway. What he's offering is for you to follow him, what he's not offering is for him to follow you down your path. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for just this teaching. We thank you so much, Father, for Jesus and what he was willing to do. We thank you so much, Father, for what he accomplished. We thank you for the invitation to to join him on this path and to follow him to the same destination that he is now at. We thank you, Father, for giving us something to, to be able to navigate through this world that we cannot see with our naked eyes which is faith. We thank you for faith. We thank you that it's not a blind faith, though, that it is a a faith of conviction and things certain even though that we don't see them. Father, we just pray that you would help us to not misunderstand the path that we are on and that we just continue to choose to be on it because we Love you, and we know where you're leading us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.